0: Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittum, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better. While balancing running with the rest of their lives. Got Amy Haas on the episode today. Amy has an awesome running journey. She is currently actually trying to run a half marathon in all 50 states. She's about to knock off number 45 next weekend. Can you imagine? 45. Truly incredible. Uh, this is a former college soccer player who then transitioned into running and learned a lot. Along the way, that is for sure, and has progressively gotten faster. So one of her first half marathons was right around 145 or so, kind of hovering around that eight-minute pace, which is very good, that's for sure. But at the same time, for an ex-college athlete, there was definitely room to grow, and she certainly has. She is now around 123 in the half marathon so a 21 22 second improvement that's an enormous improvement And i couldn't wait to talk to her about her experiences her transition into the half marathon making that central part of her life and what she's done to improve so much because we can all learn from that so let's get into it with amy haas all right we are here with amy haas amy welcome to the show thank you
1: thank you for having me
0: I, I, I'm just so glad I could guess you. I know that your apartment, your home is covered in boxes. Amy, <laughs> why Why is your house covered in boxes? What in the world is going on over there?
1: Uh, because I really like running products and prizes. I mean, well, I have the running group and I have to get them awesome prizes. So I just keep asking, but then I never really know how many I need because I never know how many girls I'll have. So they just accumulate, like they just accumulate in piles everywhere.
0: That is great. All right. So I know in the intro, I kind of detailed a little bit what you were, you're you up to uh, in, from the coaching perspective, obviously, as well as a running perspective. So tell people when you say you're your, your running group, what exactly you're referring to, just so they have a little background before we get into it.
1: Yeah. So a few, actually, it was about a year and a half ago, I started a women's running community. It's all virtual. The thought was it was like during COVID. So people weren't racing. They really didn't know what to do with themselves, but they wanted something to keep them going. And I thought, I'll start a virtual community where women can challenge each other and help each other. And it's kind of just snowballed. Um, Started with like 20 women, and now we have over 300 from all over the world. So it's it's been an adventure for sure. 300. Holy cow. How do you communicate with all these people? Oh. Oh, that is hard. That is something I've had to learn how to do because people don't like reading emails. As many emails as you want to send, people are going to just ignore them and then ask you the question anyway. So, it's been a learning it's been a learning experience for communication for sure, but primarily Instagram and, and email.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So let's talk about your athletic background, which I'm fascinated by because it's something that also um, is near and dear to my heart as a former college athlete, but not in the running space. So you were a college soccer player. So tell me when you were playing in high school, kind of what role soccer played at that point in your life. And also if you had any inkling that maybe running was potentially in your future and maybe not at the time, but maybe looking back on it, you um, will analyze exactly what was going on there.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. So when I was little, I loved running. Like I was very energetic and my mom really didn't know what to do with me. So she started just putting me in these races and I was extremely competitive and I ran a lot, but then as I got a little bit older, my friends started playing soccer. So I started playing soccer, didn't really think about running as much because they don't really have running as readily available for little kids as as soccer. So I started playing was good. Kept flying throughout like high school um, and then up until college. And then I kind of realized that like, I actually like running. Like it kind of came back to me when my cousin asked me to do a half marathon and I started training for it. And thankfully it was just a nice, easy transition. Like right after college, I started doing half marathons and it just kind of one thing led into the other. And it kind of actually built up my muscles perfectly to be able to start to add mileage. So it worked
0: out. I can imagine. So tell me about your off-season conditioning while you were in college. Have you incorporated races into that? Obviously, we know soccer is a fall sport, but even at the high school level, but certainly at the college level, there is no such thing as just a seasonal sport. This is a year-round commitment all the time. So tell me a little bit about like the off-season conditioning and how running played a part in that.
1: Yeah. So it was it was very tough at first. Like for my first half marathon, I'll say that doing training for the half marathon at the same time as trying to play soccer and trying to lift and trying to like do all of these things that you're heavily using your muscles for, I was exhausted. Uh and I honestly didn't build up the way that I would now. Um I was kind of fudging around a little bit like trying to do long runs when I felt like I could, um, when my muscles were okay with it and it showed in how I finished, but as I started getting older and stopped playing soccer as much, like kind of like my senior years, I think when I started being like, okay, like I'm gonna taper myself off of this a little bit and I could focus more on, uh, on running.
0: Gotcha. So were you doing most of like, you know, entering these races kind of like in the, in the, in the spring, in the summer, or how how would it work for you?
1: Yeah, so I actually, in college, I only did one per year. So I would do one in the fall, um, both my junior and my senior year. I didn't start running until, until in that In the fall, during the, yeah. during the season. Yeah, <laughs> it was when I was like most conditioned and I knew I could finish it. I wasn't competing really with the running. It was more so like, it was at that point, it was more so like, I know I'm in shape right now. Like I could definitely do it. It might not be well, but I can finish 13 miles.
0: Right. Absolutely. And we've seen a lot of people transition from soccer into running, just like, you know, everyday runners as well as even high-level athletes. Like Julia Conan is a really good example of this as someone who's a a top American pro who came in from the from the soccer side. And Jared Ward famously, you know, came from the soccer side. And Galen Rupp, you know, was a big soccer player in high school as well. Walk people through, like, just what an off-season summer conditioning program is for a Division One soccer player. And I say this as someone who knows a lot of Division One soccer players. My high school was actually was one of the best in the country. We had, like, I think, like eight people in my class that played Division One soccer. So I was able to see up close and personal what their summer routine was in college, and it was extensive. I think people would be surprised at how much running y'all did just to get ready for a soccer season.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is it is intense. And I'll say that, like, for me, for with my team, like, I feel like I was always kind of like the energizer bunny that could keep going because like, I've always been a runner, like whether I knew it or not, um, it was what I was good at. Like I was, I would venture to say I was better at conditioning than I was at like the actual ball handling of soccer. (laughs) Like I could run and I could beat an opponent. And so it was my strength, but it was intense. And I remember my coach, like kind of using me like set the tone for my team and being like well if amy can do one more like we're all doing one more it's like it's your teammates
0: must have loved that
1: (laughs) yeah it it was not not great but you know i loved it i i loved doing both but it got it got very very intense very fast
0: all right so talk to me about the transition into running specifically Running the half marathon, which is something that, you know, we'll talk about why um, after this or maybe you can just transition right into it. I know it became a central part of your athletic life and now has gone past that to maybe kind of a primary focus in your life in general uh, and led to a lot of other opportunities. But talk to me about the half marathon, why that was such a a focus for you and how that expanded over time.
1: Yeah, it it definitely all began in a way that like, I wouldn't have predicted where it went. Like I didn't have a goal in mind when I first did my first half marathon. My cousin had asked me to sign up like in honor of my cousin who passed away. So I was doing it more so for support for her. And I did my first one. I liked it, but I didn't really think twice about like whether I was going to do another one. It was sort of just like, I did this big thing and I'm so Mm -hmm. proud of myself. But then she actually asked me to do another one. And it was in Wisconsin, which is where I'm from. And I did that one. And then after that, I I really enjoyed it. So I did another one where I was from. And at that point, I had done three in three different states. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool that I've done like these three half marathons. They're all in different states. Like, what if I just did Indiana and knocked out like those four. And so I did that with my mom. And then it kind of became a tradition with her and I like it was It was kind of this fun thing that we could do together. And I don't know if you know this, but my mom has been to, I've done 45 states now. She's been to at least 40 of them. Um, So she comes on almost every trip, even if I have a boyfriend with me, like even if my siblings are with me, she's like always there. So that's kind of what kept me going was that we could go do it together. And it's definitely evolved over time. I didn't set out with the goal of being good at running. But naturally, if you are doing something that much and that frequently, and we, I was racing pretty often, so I was I was getting that speed work in, and it just kind of slowly transitioned into a more competitive thing. And once it became that, I got very hooked very fast, and I was like, I want to do another one. I want to sign up for another half. Like, so yeah, it it definitely snowballed.
0: And when you you mentioned the competitive side, and this is like the second time you said you're just a competitive person by nature, did that competitiveness manifest itself like in your, like how you placed in the race? Was this more time goals? Was this more process of like, Hey, I want to run more, run more miles per week or shoot. Maybe it was all of these things. Like how did it manifest itself for you once you really adopted running as your primary athletic outlet?
1: Yeah. So I am very competitive, but I'm also very, I would say I'm like a pretty positive person. So for me, I never wanted my competitiveness to keep me from being happy with myself or being proud of myself for something that I had done. So each race that I go to, and even still to this day, that competitiveness, I try to like channel it like once the race has already begun and I know how I'm feeling. And sometimes maybe I try to place because I want to keep up with a certain girl that I think I can keep up with. Or sometimes, you know, I'm going to go for a PR because I am feeling it. And like, I'm just going to go for it this time. But I try not to like hold myself to too strict of expectations, but I would say the competitiveness definitely comes out right when I step on the line. And I'm like, I just kind of decide what the goal is going to be that day.
0: Oh, wow. So you decide at the starting line what the goal is going to be.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I've actually been notorious for like, we're walking up to the race and my mom's like, so like, what are you aiming for today? And I'm like, anything under like two hours. And she's like, I mean, but you already Have know. Have you ever gone over two hours? <laughs> no. No. And so she's like, <laughs> "She, yeah, she always laughs at me because I just, I want it to be like about different things about the race, about the traveling and each race is so different and I race year round. So the weather is always different and you know, the place is always different. The trip is always different. So I try not to hold myself to like, this is how it has to go.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Has it ever, obviously it's gone well certain times. Has there ever been a time where you look back and you're like, maybe, maybe this one time, the spontaneous goal setting, you know, when you hear the three, two, one goal time um, didn't quite work out in your favor.
1: Yeah, there have definitely been times that that has happened. Like There have been times that I've been like aiming for a PR or something like that, or like, there've been times that of trying to place and like put myself in second place or something like that in the third place, girl just like zooms by me at the end. And I'm like, Oh, well, I didn't even like, I didn't even see that coming. <laughs> or like there've been times where I have tried to push myself when it just was not in the cards for me that day. And like, you can just see my pace slowly dying out at the end because it just wasn't like, I just wasn't ready for it. Um, and I try to be honest with myself when those things happen and like, actually just sit down and say, okay, that happened. But like, what went well? Like, was there anything positive from this experience that you can learn or something? So yeah, there have definitely been missteps for sure.
0: So for a lot of people, there's a ton of gravity around the marathon, right? Either Mm -hmm. their own perception of what races they should do, or even just how they view the running world in general, in that, oh, the certain people are doing marathons, maybe I should do marathon. And, and a lot of amateur runners have that pull, even early on in their process, to try to get to that marathon, if for no other reason then non-runners kind of are are well aware of the marathon. And oftentimes it can be a question that that gets asked of runners. You know, hey, have you ever run a marathon? Or what marathons have you done? The, the 5K world, the 10K world, and even the half marathon world just isn't as known to non-runners. So when you're talking to family and friends, maybe they just don't know about it. So there are a lot of reasons why there's gravity around the marathon. However, for you, this hasn't exact, this hasn't actually been the case, right? For you, the gravity has been around the half marathon. You've really embraced that in a sense. So what about, we heard about why you did your first half marathon for sure. But what about this race, this race distance and training for it has lingered for you and made such an impression that you've, you know, now you're trying to do one in, a, in all 50 states. So obviously has made a lasting impression. So what about this race and race distance did that for you?
1: I, I just love the half marathon because I feel like it's challenging. Like it is, there have been half marathons where I didn't know if I could finish it because like, I just, I didn't know if I had trained correctly or whatever. So it's challenging enough. But once you, once you can like do it a few times, I feel like it's not so challenging that you have to recover forever or you can't walk the next day or like, I mean, there sure have been races where I've pushed myself too hard and that has happened. But for the most part, it's not overly taxing on your body. Um, once you get into like a good training regimen, but I would say that it's like a very happy medium for me. If I'm doing a 5K or 10K, I am all out like going like I'm I'm pushing myself hard. But And then for the marathon, it's just hard in duration and distance. So the half marathon, I feel like it's like a very happy medium.
0: Got it. And for you, does it allow you just to kind of keep training? And I've heard you run, you know, 60 to 90 miles a week. How does it affect your training in terms of whether you're tapering into the race or recovering out of it?
1: Yeah, it's been it's been a learning experience for sure for like how I want to do my training or like how many I do per year. Um, like I said, I've never really been a planner. So like I never really thought about like how many half marathons should you do a year? There have been years when I've done 10. And like, it's like, it's been like almost every single month I'm doing one. And then there have been years where I've done three and been like, okay, that was not enough. Like I fell out of my groove of training so I feel like every year it's a little bit different and I learn a little bit more about myself and about like what I'm able to do um, and what's the best but then there have been challenges like COVID that just you know knock you completely out of rhythm Um, and so it's been a a rebuilding again ever since then just with like trying to figure out my rhythm so yeah yeah
0: now how would you describe half marathon effort?
1: <laughs> Depends on the day. Oh goodness. Um uh, about right,
0: sometimes- terms of like going to the max, right? So say you were gonna try to put in your, you know, Basically running as fast as you can for your fitness level, whatever that happens to be. How would you describe half marathon effort? Because we've asked this question a lot on this podcast about like marathon effort, like what that means, how to, you know, in terms of like whether it's an undulating course or people not quite understanding like what a half, what, what a marathon effort should feel like. I think for 5K, a lot of people understand that like, you know, the last mile is kind of whatever you got is a marathon is 5k pace when it comes to that last mile. Half marathon is a little ephemeral for some people. So how would you describe it?
1: It's tough because the half marathon distance and like pacing, I feel like on race day feels so much high like I'm able to do it much more effortlessly on race day than I am on a normal training day. Um if I go out and try to hit half marathon effort on a normal training day. I feel like I'm going very hard. Like I feel like I'm going at like a probably an 8 or a 7 or an 8 um out of 10. But but I feel like on race day it doesn't always feel that hard because you have that adrenaline going and it's as long as you've built up the endurance and like you're pushing at your max, it doesn't I feel like the it just kind of carries you. I if that makes sense. It's hard to explain because I feel like the difference between training at half marathon pace and racing at half marathon half marathon pace feels a lot different than other distances. Like for the marathon, I feel like if I go marathon pace, it feels pretty similar to when I do marathon pace in the marathon.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And you know, we should say that you're you're currently, you know, I think you're, five, well, you're half marathon PR is like what around 125 or so?
1: Yeah. One, I think one twenty-two.
0: One twenty two. Okay. I apologize. All right. So you're right around. So you obviously that's pretty well under seven-minute pace um, for you. So you're kind of in that zone too where it's, um, for someone around that level, obviously you're talking something that's fairly close to threshold pace, right? In terms of, you know, being not anaerobic lord knows but like not too far off from anaerobic whereas some people who might be listening might be more of like hey you know for me half marathon pace is like nine minute pace roughly right they're coming in and you know kind of like a shade under two hours around that two hour mark and again that's not necessarily different in terms of how they approach it but for i know for a lot of people who are on the faster end of the spectrum you kind of get close to that threshold pace feeling of like okay I'm I'm almost breathing hard here. Whereas like you can't do that for two hours, no matter what fitness level you are. It's just too long to do that at. And I know for me, like I kind of view that same way of like, all right, for me at least from a breathing perspective, I want to be in a spot where I'm kind of like I can talk like in a sentence,
1: Mm -hmm. right? I can
0: talk like in a like a a, a solid Mm -hmm. sentence, maybe a sentence or two after like the first like four or five miles, right? So like you kind of you, you kind of make your way into it, but basically that last hour, like I can talk in a sentence. So I'm not like, you know, two or three words, nor am I talking in a paragraph. I'm kind of like right in that happy medium. Um, And then for my legs, it's kind of like, you know, it's a little bit different, but I usually try to go by my breath. Are there certain indicators for you? Are you more watch driven or how do you kind of align your pacing?
1: I am very much so feel driven. Um, I've actually had some of my biggest PRs when I don't look at my watch a single time, don't look at the clock anywhere. Like I just go whatever I feel like I'm doing. I've actually had a race where a guy ran up next to me and he was like, what pace are you going for? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, what? Like, what do you mean you don't? Like, and he just ran by. <laughs> and he's like, um, but I am very much so field driven, but I would agree. I think half in the half marathon, I want to be able to say a sentence. Like I've I've even had experiences. Like I just said, like where I am able to like, communicate with somebody. Like if somebody says good job, I'll be like, thank you so much. Or like, I can, I can cheerfully say something. Um, The marathon that is like totally different, but like half marathon, I feel like I'm like able to get a sentence out, but definitely not in talking in paragraphs or like it's pushing. I'm pushing hard. It's just not like you said, like past that threshold of like, you know, max intensity.
0: Now, over the last couple of years, you keep seemingly getting faster and faster. I know you started out kind of like around the mid, you know, around 145-ish pace, you know, earlier on uh, in your your half marathon journey, which is right around eight-minute pace. Now, you're at a spot where you're in the low sixes for half marathon pace when you're at your best, which is an incredible, incredibly fast pace and something that I know a lot of people strive for. They're just like, wow, this this is really impressive. Now, obviously, you're a former college athlete, so you are there is some a genetic component to this obviously you you know you're you're a very good athlete to start with which is important but at the same time you've progressed a lot so what were some of the keys to your progression and how long are we talking about from you know uh, you know when we talk about not only you know how did you do this let's also kind of attach this to a timeline because sometimes people aren't quite realistic about those <laughs> kinds of things it
1: since i started running i'm now I'm not almost 10 years out from when I first started running. So, it's taken me 10 years to get to make a minute and a half of progress a little bit over that. Um almost 2 minutes now cuz yeah, like I think now I'm at like a 6:15, but it has taken forever and it was not I feel like people want it to be a straight down, but it is not. It is you have bumps along the way. There have been races where I felt great and I thought oh my gosh, like I did so good this race, next race. I'm like really going to blow it out of the park. And then you get to that next race and you do terrible. And you're like, okay, what's like, what, what gives? But it's been such a learning process for me of like, oh, now you're pushing yourself too hard for too long. Okay. Now we have to take a break. Now we need to like, now we're injured for a little bit. So it's been like all over the place of just ups, downs, learning, trying to figure it out, adjusting, keeping on going. And I feel like it's just been such a good journey of like the different types of races, like going to different places. And some of them have been trail races. You have to adjust your expectations there. Some of them have been, you know, in the summer where it's really hot and you start learning, okay, the heat impacts your pace. Like those are the things that along the way I've picked up. Um, And it wasn't until last year when I got my coaching certification that I was like, Oh, these are all like actual like things that I'm like, supposed to know as a runner, but I was just learning along the way. All right. How
0: about just looking back at your own training as you progress? What are some of the things that worked well for you that kind of got you to a peak fitness? And I say this as you know, knowing that different things work for different people also work at different stages of their life. And depending on the previous fitness that they may have put in. But if you just look at some of the things that you feel like are things that worked for you and as someone who's now coaching people that you you know try to introduce to some of your runners?
1: Yeah. So there are so many different things that you can look at when it comes to running progress. Some of them are just tiny things, tiny things that I changed throughout the, the years, things like I stopped wearing headphones every time I ran. Um, I was finding that the music was really messing with my breathing.
0: Everyone listening, don't do that. Keep listening to the Rambling Runner podcast. <laughs> don't, don't just the headphones. We're not going to take that. No,
1: on. no, you don't have to ditch them all the time. For my easy runs, I would often still, still listen to stuff. But like during hard runs, when I really needed to listen to my breathing, I stopped listening to music and I like actually tuned in, but they're like, and even at the beginning, I didn't Let's talk have about that
0: one. You just, let's talk about the one you just mentioned. Cause I yeah. do the same thing when I'm putting in, Say it's a workout day, or even like in a long run, where like I have some up tempo segments in the middle of a long run. I do the same thing. I'll turn off whatever I'm listening to during the up tempo segments. Why has that been a benefit for you?
1: Listening to my breathing has has been huge because sometimes you don't know how hard or how not hard you're pushing until you hear it. Until you can hear, oh, I'm not breathing that loud. Like it's it brings more awareness. I feel like to. Your body, where you are in space, your breathing—like how hard it actually feels—if it's not another thing making chaos in your ears, like you can actually, you can actually focus on those other parts sometimes.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can see it affecting both directions. Sometimes, like sometimes you don't know how bad you feel. Sometimes so so the music can help. Like oh shoot, like maybe I should calm this down a little bit if I want to sustain this pace. But for me, it, the 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 biggest factor is the opposite. Like sometimes. I think that I'm pushing at a certain effort level and then I'll turn off the music. I'm like, no, wait, hold on. I got plenty more here. I can speed up. Like I'm, I'm breathing just fine. And once the, again, like you put it like the, once the noise quiets down, you're like, no, wait, hold on. You do a little diagnostic check and you realize like, wait, I'm perfectly fine here. Like this is, I thought I was at a seven or eight. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm at a six right now. I can dial it up a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. I feel like sometimes the, the music or whatever it like clogs up your system a little bit where you're like not able to really see what's going on. You like feel this sense of overwhelm, but really it's not you. It's like, you're listening to all these things. You're processing all these things. Um, so yeah, that's just been like a tiny little, a tiny little thing that has changed.
0: All right, you, and I cut you off. You were about to mention the watch.
1: Oh yeah. Um, I didn't have a watch until like halfway through my, my running journey. So like five years ago, maybe four years ago, maybe I finally got a watch and I stopped running with my phone every single time. And I like, wasn't holding on to this object, like the whole run. Um, Like there've been little switches like that along the way that I feel like I've made that have let me focus more on my run. But then there have of course been like the actual training things, which is, focusing more on what I'm eating, um, focusing more on recovery and actually pushing hard some days and taking it easy some days. Um, Incorporating more slow, easy miles made a huge difference for me um, just in building up mileage. I at first was pushing way too hard for all of my miles. I recently did a post about that, but eventually I got an Achilles injury and I was forced to slow down. And. After that, I think things really started clicking for me. I started doing a lot of easy miles, a lot of walking, a lot of like cross training, yoga, um, other things to like keep myself from just destroying my legs.
0: Uh, Let's talk about that for a second, because I know a lot of college athletes fall into that trap, right, because they're used to. Basically, training for a certain thing, right? So, say you're doing off-season conditioning, you have like a certain goal in mind, right? So, so it's like, first of all, you're not getting run coaching, right? You're getting like a goal, right? So, so like for me, it was like, all right, first day of practice, like you need to run. I think my first, my first, my freshman year was like, all right, you all the guards need to break 20 minutes in the three mile. Like by my last year, it kept switching around every year. I think the last year was like, all right, you need to break six minutes in the mile, right? So it's like, here's the goal, come in in shape, like all right. So you just kind of figure it out. It's like oftentimes for a lot of college athletes, they're like, okay, well, what pace do I need to run? I'll just practice at that pace. You don't know any better, so you do that. All of a sudden, you're not a college athlete anymore, and you just kind of transpose it into now your running life. So for maybe some recent college grads or maybe some future college grads, tell them why this was a big change for you and why it was so beneficial.
1: Yeah, because when I was pushing so hard, like on every single run, you think... The thinking that you use is like, well, if I practice at this pace, I will be at this pace or I will keep getting better. But what happens- Because that's what you have to
0: do in practice, right? In soccer, it's like, if you don't practice at game speed, then you're not going to be ready for game speed.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Like you are supposed to practice how you play. Like that is literally what you're supposed to do. But with running, it is totally different because if you do that, you will completely tire yourself out and you will overuse your muscles and you will end up Completely exhausted. I remember, oh my gosh, this is one of my first half marathons. And I went up to my mom a few days before the race and I was like, Mom, you're not going to believe this. I ran eight miles yesterday at my best pace ever. And she was like, Don't you have a race in like two days? And I was like, Yeah, I'm going to be so ready. And she's like, I just feel like you might be sore. (laughs) I ended up being so sore. I sat in the hot tub all night, got dehydrated the night before. Like it was the worst race ever, but that's what happens. If you push yourself during the workouts too hard, you won't have what it takes on the race day. And as for the opposite, if you train easy, but push yourselves at the right points, it's, it's a very big mind switch that you have to like mindset switch that you have to make, but it does end up paying off. You have your legs saved and you can build up the mileage and there's a better relationship between the, the mileage and the intensity. So yeah, it was a big switch for sure.
0: Yeah. And then the injury piece too, right? Cause like you can, you can play that game of running too hard on easy runs. If you're doing low mileage, right? If you're putting in 20, 25 miles a week, you can play that game and you're probably going to be just fine. Could you do something better? Absolutely. But it's not going to come back to bite you if you're really only running three miles a day, right? It's different when all of a sudden you're doing an hour, 70 minutes, 75 minutes, all of a sudden the cumulative fatigue and the cumulative stress, it's a completely different ball game.
1: Yes, it absolutely is. And I, I didn't realize it took my legs a while to finally like give up on me and be like, no. And so for somebody like me, I was like, Oh, yeah, I'm getting really, really good. But it just ended up it ended up getting to the point, And I talked about this with some of the girls, but I had made running such a big part of my life that when that happened, when I finally I was forced to take a break. Um, I remember just like going to the gym and like sobbing because I was like, my legs look My legs hurt too bad to do anything about them, but I was so afraid to go to the doctor because I knew that I was in such a bad spot that I was going to have to take time off. So yeah, you start playing kind of a dangerous game if you keep that mindset as you're adding mileage, because if you don't take the rest, you will be forced to take the rest. And it's only a matter of time before that happens.
0: Now, you've done a lot of traveling. You had 45, 45 Half marathons yeah. in different yeah. states. And obviously you've run more half marathons than just one in each state. We should say that too. Um, however, so obviously we have to ask. We have a lot of questions around this. The first one is obvious. Which of the states have you not gone to yet?
1: Um, so I actually think South Dakota is this upcoming weekend, next weekend. And that will be state 45, I think. Oh, okay. And then I have okay. five more. So I have Alaska, Hawaii, Montana, Wyoming, and Rhode Island. That's me? I'm Rhode Island. Really? Come on, I didn't on, think Amy. You were in Rhode Island. Come on. Well, I will expect some race recommendations. I'm actually saving that one for last. So um, I'm excited. There you go. See, of
0: course, why would you not? Why would you not? Forget Hawaii. Rhode Island's where <laughs> it's at.
1: Yeah, I want all my fan, family to be able to come. So I was like, I better choose something that isn't like $700 flights for everybody.
0: Good point. Good point. Yeah, I, I was guessing Alaska and Hawaii would be, would be on there um, as, as two of the two of the ones. All right, so let's talk about, because we're going to be, you know, we're, shoot, what is it? It's uh, August 19th right now. If people are going to be doing a marathon in the fall, they probably will have already chosen it, or they're kind of in the process of choosing it, I should say. Richmond Marathon, sponsoring a lot of runner podcasts. Go check Richmond Marathon out. Hey, no free ads, <laughs> but if you are getting an ad, hey. For some marathon. It's the best. Um, with that said, what half marathons that you run that say you weren't on a quest to do 50 in a row. Say it was like the opposite. Say it was like, Hey, you could only run three the rest of your life, but you can keep repeating them. What three would you choose?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I live in Columbus and I would say we put on like one of the best half marathons. Um, it's by the Nationwide Children's Hospital. And they're like, they're like, um, what do they call it, like patient um, champions or something at each mile. And so it's a child who has been through, you know, chemotherapy or is in the process or has recovered. Um, And each one has like their own booth. And it's a very big deal. And it's just like, absolutely beautiful. Um, The families are all there. It's it's amazing. Um, I love this one. And it's in the fall, so it's great weather. It's just really great. Um, and then I really liked Portland, Maine. I would go back there in a heartbeat. Uh, that was one of my People favorites. don't understand.
0: Portland, Maine is an unbelievable,
1: yeah, unbelievably
0: like, fun city. It's, it's really I condensed no downtown. Idea. It's unbelievable. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I went there and I was like, oh, this will be fun. And then by the time the day was over, I was like, this place is awesome. And I would like to come back like. Again and again and again.
0: Great, great running weather up there, as you would expect in Maine. In addition, if you like craft beer, Portland, Maine is like the craft beer hub of the East. It's unbelievable, and it has been for a long time.
1: Yeah, there was so much to do down uh, down there or up there. Um, and then what other ones? I really liked Ogden, Utah. Uh, that was really gorgeous. And then there have been a few which, trail Which race races. in Utah? The Ogden. Ogden half marathon or the Ogden. Oh, it was just
0: called the Ogden half marathon. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it was a pretty big one. Um, But the beginning of that one is downhill. So it's like you kind of are going slightly downhill around this like mountainside the whole way. And there's some like little waterfalls coming down. It's really beautiful. And then you finish the race in town. So it's kind of a cool mix of like up in the mountains and down. Um, It's like a here to there. So you just run all the way from the top to the bottom.
0: Oh, that's nice.
1: Yeah, that one was awesome. But then there have been some that I would absolutely not go to again ever. So. Well,
0: we're not, we're not going to you know, put anyone. We're not going to throw any races in the trash can. We'll just try to focus on the positive. I will say this. As someone who's driven through Utah a couple times, um, I've stayed there overnight. I've driven like cross-country or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's an unbelievably beautiful state. For sure. So if you're running in the mountains of Utah, it's, it's like, it doesn't get better than that. And, um, even like the college campuses, right? Like there's, I think it's BYU. If you like go to their BYU football stadium, the pictures, like you can see like the background, the mountains. It's like, it's insane how beautiful the place is.
1: Yeah. And then the other one would be Oregon, Oregon. I did a trail race, uh, and that was just gorgeous. It was beautiful.
0: Oh that is very nice. All right, so tell me more about what your your business. Right, so you you do some group coaching as well. I know you're in the middle of doing a group right now, but if people are interested, we can kind of give them a heads up on on what you guys are up to and maybe they'll want to be part of it later.
1: Yeah, so the virtual running group is basically it's a 10-week program and it has we focus on different running themes every week and we do running, we do hydration, we do motivation, goal setting. Um, and we just work our way through those themes with fun challenges and check-ins. And we do a lot of giveaways with different brands, which is why my place is covered in boxes. Um, but basically it's a support group that also has the training aspect. We have some coaches who do some Q and A's, um, free access to some different like videos, training videos, content, recipes, stuff like that, just kind of to help become a balanced runner is basically what it is.
0: And do you have people who come back for multiple sessions or is it kind of like, you know, you do once and you kind of get the feel of it?
1: Yeah, we actually, we're going to probably start a long-term member reward program because we have so many women who come back season after season after season. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but we split the girls every season into groups of like 20 or 30 where they can get to know a different subset of the community every season which I think draws a lot of them back because they get to know different people in the running community and we have fun challenges between the teams. So it's, there are a lot of different aspects to it that keep changing every season that make people want to come back.
0: Oh, that's exciting. I can see how people would love that. And the social aspect of it um, is tough, right? Cause a lot of people running,
1: are... running is a pretty solo sport. Like it's a pretty, it can be kind of lonely
0: it can be for a lot of people, especially, you know, if you're in an urban area, it's easier or if you don't have kids. Sometimes it's a little easier to kind of get out and see a running group. But as your responsibilities increase, sometimes your social life decreases. Oftentimes, your social life decreases, uh, sometimes even drastically. I'm raising my hand on that one. Um, so having that community feel obviously is, a, is an enormous deal for a lot of people, even if it's a digital community. Uh, where can people learn more about this?
1: Yeah, so you can learn more on runwithaim.com. Uh or you can go to our Instagram page, it's Run Group, uh, or my personal Instagram page, race across the states. You can find information anywhere there. Um,
0: yeah. All right. And run with aim being A I M.
1: Yep, A I M. Not
0: like not short for AIM, yeah. A I M. Run with Aim. Yep. All right. Amy Haas, thank you so much for coming yeah. on the show. And when you come to Rhode Island to run race number 50, you got to
1: give me a shout out so we can we can get this together. That would be awesome. You can do another podcast at that point. I'll tell you all about it.
0: Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show. We just told you all the social media stuff that Amy has out there. Go check it out today. She's a wonderful person, super motivating, and inspirational, and hopefully you enjoyed the conversation that we had today. So thank you so much for listening. And happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang.
1: enterprising in
0: my surroundings i'm finding the quietest estates these days disrepresentation of song brewing I'm
1: amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change i'm trying to show this industry